What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Cat Brooks. In the first few days of 2023, the Los Angeles Police Department murdered three people in just two days. Takar Smith, Oscar Sanchez, and Keenan Anderson. Takar Smith was in the middle of a mental health episode when his wife called for help. She was not looking for law enforcement intervention. She most certainly was not looking for her husband to be murdered. Unfortunately and tragically, both of those things took place. Adding insult to injury, the Police Protective League released a statement to the Los Angeles City Council defending the actions of police officers in all three murders. Joining us to discuss is my friend, my comrade, the warrioress, uh, my sister from another mister, Dr. Melina Abdullah, professor and the chair of Pan-African Studies at Cal State Los Angeles, as well as the co-founder of the Los Angeles chapter of Black Lives Matter and co-founder of Black Lives Matter Grassroots. What's up, sister Melina? Hey, hey, great to be with you this morning. Melina, for my listeners who may not be aware, please just walk us through, and I'm sorry to ask you to do this because I know you hold so many stories every day. Um, walk us through, though, the, the murders of Takar Smith, Keenan Andrews, and if you know the details that of Oscar Sanchez that happened in just two days in Los Angeles. Sure. So the first three days of January, um, actually it happened, as you said, over the course of two days, January 2nd and January 3rd, LAPD killed three people, um, beginning with the murder of Takar Smith, who was um, a 44-year-old father of six children, um, three of whom he had with um, a wonderful, beautiful, caring woman named Shamika Smith. And they lived in a very small apartment together, had been together for more than a dozen years and um, have an eight, nine, and 10-year-old. And Takar, like so many of us, had um, mental health challenges and Jamika, um, we talk now almost every day, had been trying to, as she said, deal with his mental health issues on her own. Um, he had been receiving treatment and was on medication. Um, he's described as a very active and loving father and husband. Um, and he has a health issue. Mental health is a health issue. And he had a mental health crisis, and Shamika um, tried to get, get help. And so first she attempted to walk to the police station, which is, you know, um, walking distance from her house. She doesn't drive, doesn't have a car, um, and asked for help. And then um, wound up calling the non-emergency line and specifically asking for what they call a smart team, which is the uh, mental health team. Her, um, she had had previous incidents where um, her husband um, had become kind of irate and there was a restraining order because this is what the system tells us to do. And yeah. so instead of sending mental health workers, LAPD sends in seven cops who rush into their one-bedroom apartment. Um, Takar initially has a kitchen knife in his kitchen, and all of this is on video. Um, he's ordered to put the kitchen knife down. He does, but he's also barricaded in this very small kitchen um, yeah. 
with, uh, he barricades himself in with two bicycles and has a chair. Um, and they use his grasp on a chair, on a kitchen chair in a kitchen, as an excuse to unload on him and murder him inside his apartment as his wife and children were waiting outside, praying that they would help calm him, not kill him. And so that's what happened with Takar Smith. We know just the day following, um, Keenan Anderson had been in a minor traffic collision and actually flagged down a motorcycle cop and asked for help. He was immediately criminalized. Keenan Anderson was, um, just a bit of background on him, was um, a teacher in um, Washington, D.C., had just moved to be the favorite teacher at the school of almost all black children, um, was a father of a young son, and they criminalized him when he'd asked for help. And so after sitting on the curb for a long time, we know how police often take black folks and sit them on the curb and turn us into criminals and dehumanize us and attempt to humiliate us. The car said, some, I mean, the car, Keenan said something like, I don't want you to kill me in the dark. I need people to see me. So he runs to the middle of the intersection, um, is begging for help. Um, police attack him, tackle him. And this is all on video, tase him to death, tase him a total of six or seven times right behind his heart. And he dies a few hours later. Um, finally, Oscar Sanchez um, is killed the same day. And he was, um, an, and we, we believe he's an indigenous um, Latinx man who was also having a mental health issue um, found behind a house having a uh, mental health break and police come in and shoot him to death. And so these are all situations where we didn't need police in those situations. We needed people who could actually provide help. We also just got in information, and I know we're going to talk about um, the calls that we had to um, uh, not reappoint the um, police chief Michael Moore, we had yep. tens of thousands of folks calling for the non-renewal of his contract. And unfortunately, last week, the black woman mayor recently elected of our city um, chose to reappoint Michael Moore anyway. Well, we just got word that yesterday someone else was killed by police by LAPD um, under Michael Moore's watch. So that's now four by LAPD. Um, in the span of less than two months. We are definitely going to get into that conversation about Chief uh, Michael Moore, a, a reappointment. I'm, I'm clocking the time to make sure we have time for that. Before that, though, uh, Melina, I want to, I want to talk. I can feel your energy even through Twitter, uh, and I could feel uh, your rage when you let the world know about this letter that the Los Angeles Police Association, I'm not going to call them what they call themselves, I'm going to call them the Los Angeles Police Association, this letter that they put out. Uh, the In this letter, it, it, it says, quote, the suspects escalated each of these incidents, not the responding officers, end quote. Melina, talk to us about this letter and uh, respond to that statement, please. 
Yes. So we've been protesting police associations for many years. I know you have two up in the Bay Area and grateful for us, um, for all of those who are shedding light on these unjust associations that are not unions. I'm a member of a real labor union that gets down for working class people. We know that police associations are actually organized crime. In fact, that's our chance, right? That they um, protect killer cops. Um, LAPPL, Los Angeles Police Protective League, after the murder of Sakar Smith, of Oscar Leon Sanchez, after the murder of Keenan Anderson, who um, I neglected to mention is also the cousin of Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors, um, they stole the lives of these human beings, of these fathers, of these sons, of these brothers, community members, um, and then have the audacity to blame them for their own death, um, to assassinate their characters after the fact. And you read part of the letter, but I think also, like, as you read this, um, I believe it's about a page and a half long letter, Mm -hmm. It actually goes into each of the killings and justifies each of the killings. And one of the most heinous things that they do in this letter is um, blame Shamika Smith, Takar's wife, for Takar's killing. And um, say, well, she called. She called the police. And so that's what prompted us to come in and ultimately kill Takar Smith. The reason I'm saying it's heinous is because they know exactly what they're doing. And, um, you know, Shamika and um, Takar's family, his siblings, buried him on Saturday. And at the funeral, um, and even before the funeral, as soon as Takar was killed, Shamika started receiving death threats um, from people who were blaming her for calling the police and saying that she's at fault for his murder. And what LAPPL did in that letter is endanger her life. She's getting calls from the neighborhood saying things like, well, their children aren't going to have no mama or no daddy, right? And, of course, the neighborhood is mad. But what LAPPL did is really put a target on Shamika's back. And we should... Um, the outrage that not only are they caping for killer cops, but they're actually helping to whip up fury um, against a woman who was asking for help, who did everything that she could to make sure that they um, that the help that she received was actually help and not cops. Um, but they have no care. They have only disdain. You know, people say, Black Lives Matter, and they don't care about black lives. No, they actually have a disdain for black life, including Mm. the lives of black fathers and mothers. They they also, this Los Angeles uh, Police Association, uh, uh, said that none of the incidents were mental health calls for service. They claim that all three cases were, these are their words, sis, not mine, uh, violations of the law, making it inappropriate for the system-wide mental uh, assessment response team uh, to respond to the scene. Um, 
But as you just stated, and I just, but I'm going to ask you the question again. Did Shamika think she was making a mental health call? Shamika absolutely thought she was making a mental health call. And even if we get into, you know, there was um, an active restraining order. But why is there a restraining order? It's because there was a mental health issue in the first place, right? So the system is so narrow and so focused on police and policing and criminality as being the answer to every question that when someone has a mental health issue, they tell you, well, the only answer is to get a restraining order. Then the restraining order is used to to then criminalize the person who, again, has a mental health issue. You know, Shamika, again, there's no more care that she could have taken than to say, please don't. She's on tape saying, please don't kill my husband. I want help for him. I want him to take his medication. You know, this is what she's asking to do, but we don't have, and I know you've been working for many years on alternatives to policing. We don't have another number to call, right? Shamika didn't have someone else. She couldn't call um, mental health professionals directly and say, hey, can you help talk my husband down and get him to take his medication because he's having a crisis, crisis, you know? Um, One of the things she's talking about doing is, you know, now she wants to create something. Um, Even in the midst of her grief and all that she's facing, she's like, I have to create something so no other family has to go through this. When they need help, there should be another number they can call so police aren't dispatched. And actually, you know, if you watch the video, and I do encourage people if they have the stomach for it to watch the video because I believe that um, emotion and spirit are what reminds us that we have to actually do something. And the videos um, help remind us that this is not just a conversation. Takar Smith is not just a hashtag, but he's a real father and husband and human being and brother and community member, right? Um, But if you um, watch the video, we know that if, mental health professionals had have been called in, there would have been an opportunity for Takar to get some help and be with his family. Oh, uh, t- two things. One, uh, and Melina, we can talk about the self-lime, but I, I, wanted, I would just want to offer up to you and to Shamika that mental health first, APTP's mental health first, we will come to LA, we will Zoom, we will give the tools uh the the box you know we don't we don't transplant our model but we the values the principles and the structure we will help her build uh this model if if that's something that you all want to get down and do um and then for folks in oakland the number is 510-999-MH19 that is aptp's non-911 mental health uh crisis response line um melina district attorney uh george gascon you think Angelinos are going to see him holding any officers accountable this year? Has he said anything about these three specific cases? You know, Gaston has one officer he's um, prosecuted for the killing of someone. That's the um, deputy who murdered Ryan Twyman. Um, that's an improvement over the previous district attorney in addition 
there's 28 cops who are being prosecuted for non-killing, right? Okay. What we are recognizing is the entire system is just irredeemable. That even when you get a progressive district attorney who says he's going to prosecute killer cops in, you have a thousand other attorneys in that office who you think are under the direction of the elected district attorney who can simply refuse to prosecute these cases. And so that's what we're facing in Los Angeles. We're very frustrated. Um, You know, in addition to LAPD killing people, we know that the LA County Sheriff have killed five people so far this year. Huntington Park Police killed someone this year, a double amputee just a couple weeks ago. Anthony Lowe was murdered um, while sitting in his wheelchair, right? Double amputee. And you would think that um, charges would come swiftly. We saw charges come swiftly in Memphis. Um, Why not in Los Angeles? And we know that there are just barriers. Um, And I don't want to make excuses. I, I actually feel like you know, the district attorneys need to just say, forget the rules. I want to cuss on air, but I'll just say, forget the rules. You right? know better. Forget the rules. We're going to prosecute and lose if we have to, but we have to prosecute. Um, unfortunately, that's not where this district attorney is. Um, but we do recognize that the entire system um, is refusing to stand up for the people, even though they literally wear the badge of the people when they walk into those courtrooms, they don't represent the people. Yeah, and it's such a complicated dance, right? Um, knowing that, that that is the demand that, that families want, right? They want these cops arrested, prosecuted, convicted, gone to jail. Um, and as our advocates, that means that dancing with the devil sometimes, you know, uh, the lesser of two evils. Uh, the lesser of many evils. Um, that's actually something that I want. I want to bring you back on to talking about right the 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 navigating the nuances of um, trying to tear down and also being forced to engage with this corrupt system at the same time. All right, uh, Melina. Something else you've been sounding off on Twitter about that I wanted to dig into with you, and that is the reappointment of Chief Michael Moore to a second term by Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass. What was your first reaction when you heard the word? Well, my reaction is on Twitter. Um, I don't yeah, know, I know. if I thought about it. <laughs> For a while, if I would have tweeted those exact words, but... <laughs> you know, um, it it is a betrayal. You know, it's a betrayal. So many of us um, were initially really excited, and I know both you and I um, have a long-standing relationship with Karen Bass. I I, I still speak with Karen Bass, Mayor Bass, regularly. Um, she still calls me. I call her. We um, exchange text messages. She's never not returned a call or returned a text. Um, Our relationship goes back to, I believe I was 22 or 23, um, when I was a very young community organizer here in L.A., and she'd established community coalition. She used to guest 
speak in my classes, even after she was elected to the state legislature. Um, I share with a lot of folks that, you know, I called her friend. Like, and when I say friend, I don't just mean comrade. I mean, she's been on my couch. I've been on hers. I mean, that we've cried on each other's shoulders about the loss of family members. I mean, we shared, uh, uh, we can't even count the number of meals we've shared together. Um, so I mean, friend, friend. And so when she decided to run for mayor, many of us in progressive community, but me especially, um, I was excited. I gave a campaign contribution I couldn't afford, right? Because this is Karen running for mayor. And then as her agenda began to roll out, I began to be a bit disappointed. And several of us attempted to call her in and say this public safety plan isn't good. But, you know, we believe in calling in, not calling out. And even after um, there was an incident at Cal State L.A. where she was present as I was um, brutalized mm-hmm. by, by uh, campus police and she stood there and did nothing. Um, she claimed she didn't know it was me. I don't know how you could not know it was me, but, um, that was her claim. And we had conversations after, even after that, um, we never called her out because she was better, far better than, the um, white supremacist, patriarchal capitalist who was running against her named Rick Caruso. So she's elected to office and we still are hopeful Um, But we want her, you know, um, this happens pretty quickly with these killings. We know Michael Moore's reappointment is coming up, and that's one of the minimal things that she can do. She can just not reappoint him. And so we begin to call on her to not reappoint him. And then when these killings happen in January, that picks up, and tens of thousands of people sign a petition. Many thousands write direct letters. There are many, many hours of testimony given to the police commission. Um, People reach out to her personally. She acknowledges all of this to me. And literally the day before the reappointment announcement comes, um, she says she doesn't know what she's going to do. But she had already made up her mind, and there was a letter that she had already sent to the police commission Um, that Monday saying she wants to reappoint more, but she's doing this dance with people who are saying don't reappending as if our voices matter. So it feels like a tremendous betrayal. Um, I'm saddened and disappointed. um, So I have feelings about it um, as well as thoughts about it, right? Like the excuse that she's given publicly is that she is working on the housing crisis. Well, Los Angeles is the second largest city in the country. You have to be able to work on housing and work on ending police violence against black people at the same time. There are many Mm -hmm. things you have to do as mayor. And so it's not okay to say I'm working on one thing, which, you know, people like Pete White will say she's not working hard enough on housing, right? Um, But you have to be able to do many things and at least you have to, um, be transparent. If you're going to betray the people, at least stand up ahead of your decision and don't pretend like we have a voice when we don't. 
Yeah, I, I've been a little bit speechless. I mean, you and I have had this conversation a lot. To your point, we both go way back. You know, I say often, no Karen Bass, no Cat Brooks. Community coalitions where I'm politicized. I can't believe we weren't in the streets together in L.A., but that's a different conversation. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna leave that 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 there actually because we we only have three minutes. But I imagine that we are going to continue to have this conversation and watching uh, what what Karen Bass does. Uh, in terms of, air quotes, public safety uh, moving forward. Um, I, real quick, while I have you, Melina, you've also been working very closely with the family of Jaheim McMillan, the 14-year-old who was murdered in a dollar store parking lot by Gulfport, Mississippi police. What is the latest in 90 seconds, please? Yes, so I'm going to get two things in in 90 seconds. One, we do have an accountability meeting with Karen Bass tomorrow. And so we have okay. an agenda for her mayoralty. Um, and so we'll present that to her tomorrow. Um, to the Jahi McMillan, we just left Gulfport, Mississippi. He was a 15-year-old who was shot in the head by Gulfport police as he um, was leaving a family dollar buying after-school snacks. We're demanding those police, um, the police who killed him, still haven't been named, fired, or prosecuted. So we're demanding that who has been prosecuted or is being prosecuted is the protesters who dare to lift Jaheem's name. And so there were six of them who were arrested last weekend. We're demanding that all those charges be dropped. We're also demanding that everybody who's involved in this ongoing cover-up um, be held accountable. And so we're asking people to follow Justice Jaheem on Instagram for more calls to action um, we're continuing to organize. Mississippi has proven the Nina Simone song continues to be true. Mississippi, goddamn, because, um, and she spells it without an N. So, um, so mm -hmm. we need to um, have all eyes on Mississippi, on Gulfport, on what's happening in Jackson, on how Mississippi is trying to take over the blackest city in the country. Um, and uh, derail black power in Mississippi. So we want everybody um, in that struggle. Again, that page is Justice Jaheem, and you can always follow BLM Grassroots for the work that's going on on the ground. And is that the, the that was my that was my last and final question? BLM Grassroots. That is uh, Insta. That's Twitter. That's that's what it is across all the socials. Yes, BLM Grassroots. All right, Sister Melina, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'll be hollering at you shortly. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask of the Fort Arts Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>